Hey guys, Zeno here. Coming up on A to Z, the way that one of Georgia's toughest challenges can sneak into the college football playoff, plus something I never talk about in Atlanta sports, and of course, the Thanksgiving slate of picks for you. Coming up next, right here on A to Z. This is A to Z with Mark Zeno, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. How did we get here? If you're not the number one pick, guess what? You have no guarantee. That's where you are. And it starts... Does that make me a genius? Yes. Now. Good afternoon. Welcome to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, where today I tell you it's really hard to kill your nemesis. Welcome in. We are live here on this Wednesday at Thanksgiving Eve. I hope everybody's getting themselves set for the feast that will be tomorrow of football, family, turkey, everything. I uh, hope everybody's going to have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Appreciate you guys joining me here on this Wednesday. Give us a follow on Twitter at LockedOnATL. I'm at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a thumbs up and a like to the content there. We're getting oh so close to those 5,000 subscribers. You guys are helping get us there. So please give us a follow on YouTube. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. And, of course, we're on Roku TV. Anywhere you get your Roku TV, your Amazon Fire Stick, download that Roku TV app. Check out all of the shows right here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. All right. Um, I wanted to start today uh, with the latest in the college football playoff rankings um, because, uh, you know, we talked about this throughout the entire week, but I, I think a couple of things have become readily apparent here. Uh, and let me just start with the one thing I thought that was kind of hokey uh, or, or quirky, an- annoying, if you will. Um, and simply put, uh, the top four stayed exactly the same. They all survived in advance. That's the way it's going to go the rest of the way out. Uh, and LSU being bumped up to number five ahead of USC, to me, more than anything, as I fix my chair here, more than anything, uh, was annoying just simply based off the fact that you LSU had to go out and beat UAB, and USC had to survive against a top, at the time, 20 team in the country, uh, well, top 15 team in the country, and UCLA, and their rival game, uh, and they got no credit for it. Uh, that, to me, is is weird. I guess LSU is looking at the wins over Bama and Tennessee, is or wins over Tennessee, uh, Bama and who else did they play? I don't remember. Who was their other big win? Um, but anyway, their win over Alabama is something that they're going to, you know, put a feather in their cap for. I guess Ole Miss was the other big one at the time inside the top 10. But anyway, so um, I keep telling you guys LSU is overrated. I kept telling you guys that Tennessee was overrated. And LSU is going to get exposed here coming up in two weeks uh, in the SEC championship game. And it's not going to be pretty. Get get ready, Tigers fans. Payback for 2019 is coming. Um that said, you know, uh, USC comes in at number six, LSU at five, and the top four are where they are. Just two other things to note. I should say three other things. Tennessee falls to number 10. Uh, that's expected. Oregon at nine. Clemson is now at eight up a spot, and Bama is at seven up a spot. Okay. Here's what I find somewhat interesting, that Alabama, I think, could sneak their way back into the playoff. And – you know, I was doing another show and somebody asked me who I thought the biggest threats to Georgia were. And, you know, I said, look, Ohio State clearly is, is the number one threat. But USC would be a threat. Remember when I, I think we talked about this before, Lincoln Riley, when he was at Oklahoma with Baker Mayfield, they played in the Rose Bowl. Yes, Georgia won that game in overtime. But if I recall correctly, um, Oklahoma put up like 45, 50 points on Georgia in that game, whatever it was some huge number. I don't remember exactly what the score was. Georgia fans would tell me. So it's not like Lincoln Riley's offense 
isn't good enough to get past a Kirby Smart defense. I think you have to acknowledge that he's got equally as good a quarterback right now uh, at USC and Caleb Williams as he did in Baker Mayfield. Uh, you could argue Georgia's defense is better. You're probably right, given the one that they uh, went to the college football playoff with last time. But uh, we're on that first time, I should say. That all said, I think USC is a threat. And then, of course, I said, obviously, the other threat is Alabama um, because it's Nick Saban. And Nick Saban against Kirby Smart is always going to be a coin flip. Doesn't matter who is better. Doesn't matter who has the better talent. The, the, those games are as rivalry-ridden uh, as Yankees, Red Sox, you know, uh, uh, Army, Navy, whatever. It doesn't matter who's got better athletes. It, the, the two teams will play each other close pretty much every single time. So uh, somebody said to me, well, well, Alabama can't get in. I said, whoa, 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 not so fast, as Lee Corsa would say. They can get in, and I'll explain how. So here you go. Georgia smacks LSU. That knocks them out, okay? Ohio State smacks Michigan this weekend. And Michigan now, <clears throat> with the loss of Blake Corum, if he doesn't play, you know, sort of is a, is a wounded duck, if you will. <clears throat> not that that necessarily matters to the playoff committee, but they're clearly not as good of a team. TCU loses in their conference championship game. It means TCU does not win the Big 12. USC loses their conference championship game. Or they lose this week and then lose the conference championship game. One or the other uh, is going to be the case. Clemson loses their conference championship game. Who is left, guys? It's not LSU with three losses. It's not TCU who's a non-conference champ. It's not USC who's a non-conference champ. And it's not Clemson who's a non-conference champ. The only other option the committee would have at that point in time, after Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, who still gets in, okay, even after losing to Ohio State, would be Alabama or, or a 10-2 and Oregon who's a Pac-12 champ. I think the committee would take Alabama in that sense. I think they absolutely would take Alabama. Despite the fact that Oregon has a conference championship. I mean, to me, that's what they're telling you. The fact that Alabama is two spots ahead of Oregon right now tells you that Alabama has a better resume. Now, how much will they weigh the conference championship win over USC enough to push them above Alabama? We'll find out this week after everything sets up, right? Because Michigan, Ohio State is going to take care of itself. Um, you know, uh, I, I think that, you know, USC, they could lose this week. TCU could lose this week. Like a lot, there's still a lot more that could shake out. But I wouldn't absolutely consider Alabama dead at this point in time. I think that's a little bit presumptuous to think that if all those things could happen, and could Clemson lose to North Carolina? Yes, they could. Uh, they lost to Notre Dame, for crying out loud. They could lose to North Carolina. USC, we know, can drop one. They've been playing with fire. TCU has been playing one-score games or, or you know, 10-point games, if you will, uh, for every game since October. They haven't won a game by more than 10 points since October 1st. And, you know, if LFCU upsets Georgia, which isn't going to happen, uh, obviously that would put them in. But, you know, again, nonetheless. So I'm not exactly counting Alabama out yet. What I still think is going to happen is TCU is going to survive and USC is going to survive. You'll get Georgia, you'll get Ohio State, you'll get TCU and USC. If either one of TCU or USC slips up, Michigan gets in. That's it. It's that simple. So the committee's job this year is really, really easy. Um, the only way it really gets tough is if the scenario that I just played out absolutely gets, gets played out. 
Uh, and watch me throw that scenario up on Twitter later today and watch me get eviscerated for it because people love to do that to me. Um, you could argue I do it to myself, but nonetheless, I think that it absolutely is a viable possibility if all that comes to pass, right? And and there could be an argument, by the way, if Michigan loses badly enough to, if that whole scenario plays out, right, where let's say Ohio State spanks Michigan, TCU loses their conference championship, USC loses their conference championship, Clemson loses their conference championship, that theoretically Alabama and Oregon could both get in. You'd have Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama, and Oregon. So Georgia, Oregon rematch, Ohio State, Alabama as the 2-3, yeah, yeah. And, of course, it sets up for a Georgia-Alabama national championship again because we haven't seen that before. Anyway, I digress. All right, uh, we'll talk about something I almost never talk about here uh, in Atlanta sports. But first, a word from our friends at BetOnline.net. Fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. we got three games tomorrow on Thanksgiving. Big spreads for the Bills and the Cowboys over the Lions and the Giants, respectively a tight one. On Thanksgiving evening between the Patriots and Rams. We'll get to that before the end of the show. But you'll find reviews and news of every league, the NFL, college football, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, even golf. It's all right there. Bet online, the top online resource for all your sports wagering information. You get live in-game betting tips. The podcasts they have are amazing. They've got you covered on everything, all the information you need to know. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action that's happening today. Bet Online where the game starts. Okay, um, something I never talk about here in Atlanta sports. I'll talk about it now. Uh, that's Georgia Tech. Um, and without offending the part of my audience that is a Tech fan, I don't talk about them because largely they are not relevant enough to talk about at this point in time, uh, especially when it comes to their football program. I'm not saying that can't change, but what I am saying is you guys as the audience kind of dictate what the show should be about every single day. and. Georgia Tech hasn't dictated anything for it to be about. Now, uh, I got into this conversation yesterday. I was filling in on 92.9 with uh, Stake Shapiro, and they were talking about Brent Key and the idea that he could come back as the coach after being the interim. He's 4-3 and since taking over the interim job, and and he's done really, really well. New athletic director Jay Batt has to figure out what he wants to do in hiring the 14th full-time coach in school history. Uh, Signing the approach is December 21st. Transfer portal open window opens December 5th. So um, the timing of this is pretty critical. Now, my whole contention was about Brent Key is two things. One, don't become prisoner of the moment. Do not assume that what you saw in this small sample set is actually going to be extrapolated out over the course of the next year, next two years, next three years, if it all goes to plan. You've got to vet this more than what you've seen. Right? Um, and and while Brent Key has become a, a very good recruiter, uh, and look, this is his alma mater, and it's a big deal for him, and he's passionate about it, he loves it, all those things are super important. However, it boils down to who else is available. I mean, ultimately, that's what this should be about. Um, you take the absolute best candidate, not the most convenient one. Now, the other one, Coastal Carolina head coach Jamie Chad- Chadwell, is the other big name that they're talking about. And for those who don't know about Chadwell, he runs a very sort of uh, non-traditional, unconventional offense, very much an option offense. Um, And the thought there is, is that, well, this unconventional offense can help bridge the gap with the talent level in the ACC that other schools have. 
uh, similar to what Paul Johnson did. Uh, I would ask Jay Bat if he was around for the Paul Johnson era and the end of it. And while wins were there, uh, I would ask you, do you constantly want to deal with every time you lose a game and you look like you're getting outclassed because your offense gets, you know, mauled or isn't effective? Do you want to deal with the groans from the fan base, the boosters and everybody else about why are we running this high school offense kind of deal? Is that a reason not to hire a guy? No, it's not. But, you know, the evolution of the sport of football is changing and more people are doing it one way than you're not. I.e., like, if you are the only company still handwriting checks to pay your employees, um, you might want to look at how you're doing it when the rest of the world is, like, direct deposit and it's all electronic and everything else, like, no one's getting a paper check anymore kind of deal. Yeah. Uh, you might not want to be the only one still handwriting checks from a checkbook to pay your employees. There's probably something, you know, off there. Not that it can't be done. It's just a little bit off. But let's just think about this objectively. And I'm not even saying any of these names are viable options for Georgia Tech. But hypothetically speaking, if Deion Sanders was an option, would you take Brent Key or would you take Deion Sanders? I think the answer is obvious. If Matt Rule wanted to come to Georgia Tech, would you take Matt Rule, who's rebuilt two programs, not one, but two, one at a group of five level, the other at a power five level, uh, and and made them contenders? Um, Would you want Matt Rule or would you want Brent Key? I think you know the answer. You want Matt Rule. I mean, you know, a lot of this also has to depend on who else that they are looking at. What are the calls that they made? You know, um, there are other coaches who have done really amazing things um, that you can go and get, uh, and you don't have to go down to the group of five level to pull somebody up there to do it. You kind of just got to do the search, right? Like the search is the search, and you got to do the search. So, I don't know that necessarily um, there is a easy way to go about doing this. I think in general, you know, uh, if they're going to get this right, the the way to do it is not to rush it and try to get it done before, you know, a certain time frame because of X, Y, and Z. Um, I mean, you know, I, I don't uh, – I'm not sure that that is the easiest way to go about doing this. And this has got to be a long process. Whoever you're going to hire is going to be a very long process. And yeah, what does that look like? I don't know, guys. I mean, it's tough. It's really, really tough. But it's one of those things where if you – if you get it wrong, you know, you're in a spot where you are right now. You're hustling to try to find something to get right again. I, I just, you know, I, I couldn't begin to sit there and tell you all the names that may be out there of who would want to do it. But I mean, again, if you're going to reach into the group of five, right? Like, why are you going to Coastal Carolina? Call Luke Fickle at Cincinnati, right? Like, call a school like that. Call a program that has been near you know, winning 10 games every single year that has an offense that looks like offenses look, right? That to me is one of those things where you you really start to uh, get a sense of what these teams or, or what your team could be with those kind of coaches. Why not give that guy a whole bunch of money? And that's the other thing, by the way. The money issue is the real thing. Like my feeling here is that if they go with Brent Key, 
or they grab Jamie Chadwell from Coastal Carolina, part of the decision is financial. And that's the wrong reason to hire a coach. Now, again, it's not my money. Uh, and it's not, I don't have to ask boosters for extra money to pay uh, a head coach and, or pay off the old head coaches or whatever. But the finances of this thing really should, should be at the bottom of the priority list. Because the finances sort of take care of themselves as the football takes care of itself, right? The finances only don't work out when you lose. But why wouldn't you call a Luke Fickle-type coach um, who, who has gotten Cincinnati to the college football playoff and see if he wants to overtake or take over an ACC team? Because, again, in reality, there's not that many coaching jobs out there of, of Power 5 nature. Obviously, Auburn's there. Nebraska is there. Like those are the two prime jobs that are out there. Is he a guy that's going to get that call? No, but that's what waiting it out does. Let those jobs get filled, and then pick up the phone and figure out if Lou Fickle's still available. Because guess what, Brent Key is always going to be there. No one is trying to steal Brent Key from you. And at worst case scenario, you got the guy that at least in the interim, in the short term, made your team a little bit better. Give him a two- or three-year deal, prove it, and see what happens. And wait for the next, you know, when the coaching cycles all turn over again. So I don't necessarily think you need for one second to make this announcement within the next 10 days or so, like some are asserting. I think you wait this thing out and figure out what the best option is. I genuinely do. Like, I, I honestly believe that that is the best way to do it. All right, uh, before we get to um, some uh, NFL picks for Thanksgiving. And, oh, by the way, big game tonight for the Atlanta Hawks. That's coming up. But want to thank you guys for making Locked On Falcons and my good buddy Aaron Freeman your first listen every single day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. You get the biggest stories of the day, instant reactions, big game recaps, plus the take of the day. It's all available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Again, it is the Locked On Sports Today podcast. Remind you guys to check out our YouTube channel. Subscribe to the Locked On Sports Atlanta YouTube channel. Trying to get to 5,000 subscribers. Love to do it before this Thanksgiving holiday weekend is out. So if you haven't done it yet, please. Right now, go to YouTube, look up Locked On Sports Atlanta, click that little subscribe button, and check out all the great content here. Throw some thumbs up to the A to Z that you get every single day and all the other great shows on the Locked On Sports Atlanta podcast network, and uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. All right, a couple things here before uh, we have to do Shovels of Wisdom, but I want to remind everybody, Hawks got a big game tonight against the Sacramento Kings coming in here. And it's going to be really interesting because uh, in case Hawks fans have forgotten, they may or may not have forgotten, but they may have forgotten. Um, you know, the uh, the Atlanta Hawks are taking on a Sacramento Kings team that, um, you know, they traded away some guy named Kevin Herter for. Uh, and in case you haven't noticed, uh, Kevin Herter is uh, making – um, uh, what is that number? Oh, 50% of his three pointers this year, 50. Last time I checked, that's good. Could be wrong. That's good. And it's not like Kevin Hurt is only chucking up two, three pointers a game. He's attempting seven and he's making nearly four of them. So yeah, last time I checked, that's pretty good. Kevin Hurt coming back home tonight for, uh, a game against the Atlanta Hawks. Now, um, some could say that's worthy of a shovel of wisdom. 
but so is this. Brace yourselves, because it's time for the Shovel of Wisdom. Hey, you know how we do it. Every single day, we have to uh, hit somebody right upside the head and, uh, you know, set them straight for saying or doing something stupid. You could do so on my Twitter account, at Mark Zeno. Just use the hashtag Shovel of wisdom and today my shovel goes to peter burns peter burns uh works at espn and um not sure if you guys saw this but this happened on saturday i just saw it today which is why i'm uh, putting this out there now but um ben watson former nfl tight end was on the show and uh apparently ben watson was wearing like a light blue suit and everybody was wearing a dark suit and so peter burns decided um to sort of make a little bit of a joke of fact that he was wearing a different color suit and well it went awry pretty quickly take a listen uh, 45 20 by the way did you not get the memo on the suits we all went dark today you were you're like easter service y'all kind of y'all kind of leave me off as long as i get the text from my wife that says i look good oh, really? so send me the text babe send me the text that's <laughs> not the one she sent me <laughs> whoa Whoa. Hey, dude, uh, you don't talk about another dude's wife on national television. Just don't. The joke never is going to land well. You don't know. It doesn't matter how good of a friend you are. It just It's a bad look uh, for you to talk about another man's wife on national TV where he can't turn around and jab back at you over the top of the level that you did because then he looks like the bad guy. You know, if he comes back, oh, that's not your you, last time your wife texts me. Everybody looks ridiculous. And you don't put people in that position, Peter Burns. It was stupid. Um, you probably should apologize. Uh, apparently, they put a, a picture on Twitter that said they're still friends, although Ben Watson didn't seem to be too pleased. Ben Watson actually tweeted out, you still owe Mrs. Watson an apology. And he's right, you do. It was a bad attempt at a joke on national TV. It landed flat, and you probably should apologize for it. But, you know, again, neither here nor there. So, uh, yeah, just remember that, folks. Don't, uh, don't talk about other people's spouses on national TV. It just it, it, unless you're being highly complimentary, yeah, just it, it, keep work at work, personal life, personal. Everybody will be fine. There's that. Okay, uh, let's get to some Thanksgiving slate games here. Uh, we actually have a really good uh, slate of games here on Thanksgiving. That's that's going to be somewhat interesting. I'm kind of genuinely enthused to watch all of these games unfold. First game, you have Buffalo and. Um, the Lions in Detroit. Now, a couple of things here to note. Uh, Buffalo played their last game, even though it's supposed to be home. They played it in Detroit, and they stayed there. So they are now actually the more rested team. Why? Because the Lions were, in the road, were on the road in New York last week and had to travel, whereas the Bills got to stay in the same bed that they were in. Uh, and when it comes to a short week, believe it or not, that matters. It matters to the players. It matters to their bodies having to get on a plane after getting beat up for three and a half hours. So there may be a little bit of an advantage there. But the Bills offense finally got right last week against Cleveland. Uh, even though the Bills ended up pushing their eight-point spread, it was because they led up garbage time points in the fourth quarter. They dominated Cleveland for a better part of that game. And against this bad Lions pass defense, I would suspect that the Bills can do the same. I think the Bills are going to score early and often and force the Lions to chase. As much as the Lions have been a little bit of a darling as of late, winning three in a row after a one-and-six start, I don't see them winning this game by any stretch. The question is, can Buffalo cover nine-and-a-half points and win by ten? I am worried very much about a backdoor cover. 
that would be my hesitation more than anything. Um, I think all the numbers and everything point to Buffalo winning this game um, and being able to cover it. It's probably too many points for me to lay uh, comfortably with a large amount of my money. I'll put a small bet on Buffalo uh, and lay the nine, nine and a half points, depending on where it is. If it gets to 10, uh, it's a stay away. If you get me under 10 at nine and a half, I could still back Buffalo. As soon as this gets to 10, it's Lions or pass. That's generally just how it goes. Remember, you bet numbers, not teams. So Buffalo is the better team, and I think their offense is going to start to look like it again. After a couple of weeks of being a little bit stagnant and a couple of games where you started to look at Buffalo and go, what's going on with the Bills? Are Are they really this? Are they bad? Are they not as good? Remember, they only scored 17 points against the Jets. Uh, and then they had they allow the Vikings to come back and and win that game. I mean, it just it's been ugly. Um, you know, they just haven't really looked as crisp as you wanted them to since uh, beating the Chiefs. So I think they get back on track. Hopefully, not a look ahead spot for them as they get the Patriots. Um, you know, the following Thursday night they do that thing where they do back to back Thursday games. So the Bills get the Bills schedule has been jacked up uh, as of late, but. They're a good enough team to overcome it. All right, next game, Cowboys-Giants. The only divisional game of the entire week, which is strange that there's only one divisional game on the slate. Cowboys are laying nine, nine and a half points here. I know the Giants are a banged-up team, uh, and I know that uh, the Cowboys have far superior talent, but there's a couple of things here. Cowboys struggle to stop the run. That's a huge plus for the Giants. Saquon Barkley should have a very, very, very good day. And that is enough for the Giants to keep that Cowboys offense off the field. Um, the last time these two teams played, it was a one-score game. Granted, it was Cooper Rush, but still, it was a one-score game. Um, the Giants absolutely have as much motivation as they've ever had to win this game. If they lose this game, they essentially fall two games behind the Cowboys in the standings. Both teams are 7-3. and three. Cowboys would have the head-to-head tiebreaker over them. So the Cowboys at 8-3 and three and the Giants at 7-4, and four, they would have to – it's a two-game hole. They've got to get a better record than the Cowboys to finish in front of them. And this effectively relegates the Giants to, to, to being a lower seed than the Cowboys as a wild card, if neither one of them catch Philadelphia. So, yeah, that's motivation is a big thing. Um, plus, divisional dogs this year have been covering at a nearly 60% clip. Um, and divisional unders are coming in at a 60% clip. If that's the case, to cover 10 points at a spread of 45 is difficult. It's you, you have to win the game, you know, 27 to 10 in that range, right? And, and it's tough, 30 to 13. You know, that that's where you have to be to stay under the total. Um, and and could the Giants only score those that that few points? Maybe. Um, plus, oh, by the way, you know, the injury to Micah Parsons, um, even though he balled out on Sunday against the Vikings, he dinged up his hamstring again or whatever it was that was bothering him. Uh, so he might not be 100%. It's a big plus for the Giants. So I'll take the nine points with the New York Giants. And then finally, uh, the nightcap between Patriots and Vikings. Uh, line opened at three. It's now down to Minnesota minus two and a half. Uh, early money came in on the Patriots after their very, very big defensive win over the New York Jets. Two ways you can look at this thing. Well, it's not that hard to shut down the Jets offense. You're right. It's not. But – that doesn't preclude the Patriots defense from being very good. It's been good all year long. Um, you're talking about a couple of issues here with Minnesota that are that are um, 
very important. Christian Darasaw, their left tackle, uh, out with a concussion, most likely. So that's what we're seeing at this point in time. That's the case. Matthew Judon is going to have a field day. Uh, and Kirk Cousins in primetime always never is a good thing. And I can see Judon burying Cousins into the carpet a, a bunch in, in this game. And that, you know, is enough for me, again, to keep this thing where I think the Patriots can cover. A very low total at 42. Uh, and that is alarming to me for an offense like the Vikings that can score. It tells you what lines makers think of this game, that it's going to be tight. And if it's tight, uh, give me the dog in this spot uh, with the Patriots getting two and a half points on Thursday night. Hawks, Kings tonight. Don't forget, uh, we are off tomorrow, um, but we will be back on Friday for our ATL hangout with the entire Locked On Sports Atlanta crew. Uh, well, at least the big, you know, not the big, I don't want to say the big shows, but myself, John Chuckery, Jarvis Davis, Tanitra Batiste, you know, the daily shows that you get. Uh, don't forget about Locked On Falcons with Aaron Freeman. Make that your first listen for your next listen. Check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Appreciate you guys joining me here. Everybody have a wonderful Safe, happy, healthy Thanksgiving. Best to you and all of your families. Go stuff yourself with some turkey. Skip over the mac and cheese. It's an overrated side. Trust me on this one. I know you think I'm crazy. I'm not. Always go get the cranberry sauce. And we'll be back. Talk to you guys on Friday. Have a great day. Have a great day. Thanksgiving. Don't take a crap, anybody. See ya. 